I have so much respect for every single founder out there. Mm -hmm. They are choosing the hard road. They are choosing to go down a path where they're going to work much longer hours, have more stress and get paid less mm -hmm, than if mm -hmm. they went and worked for somebody else. But they're doing it because they want to make a difference because they want to create something. And I just think, well, that's awesome. And I wish anybody who goes down that path all the success in the world. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so excited today because not only is this the season finale of season three and episode 49 of The Afternoon Tea, but I also have an amazing guest, a fantastic guest, a guest by the name of Janet Bannister. And let, Janet, before we go into this, let me just do a quick introduction. For those who don't know Janet, and you all should, let me tell you that right now. Janet Bannister is the managing partner of Real Ventures, Canada's preeminent early stage venture capital firm. In addition to leading Real Ventures and working with her large portfolio of rapidly growing tech companies, Janet is very active in the Canadian tech, tech ecosystem. She's on the boards of Communitech in Waterloo and the Vector Institute in Toronto. In 2004, Janet launched Kijiji.ca and grew it to become one of the most visited websites in Canada, which is awesome. This year, Janet became the co-chair of the C100, which is the leading global community of Canadian tech leaders dedicated to supporting, inspiring, and connecting the most promising Canadian entrepreneurial leaders and a group I am super proud of to admit I'm a member. So I'm very excited to see the direction that Janet will take the C100 through her stewardship. Janet, thank you so much for joining me today. Chris, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. So first off, let's talk about Real Ventures. Can you tell me the creation story uh, behind uh, Real Ventures, please? Absolutely. So Real Ventures was founded in 2007, so 14 years ago. And really, it started with a question. And that question was, why are brilliant Canadian founders moving to Silicon Valley to raise seed capital? because that exactly was what was happening, was all our great founders were moving to the Valley in order to start their tech mm -hmm. businesses. And the answer we believed was more than just about capital. It was about the networks and the ecosystem that existed. Mm -hmm. And so we said, if we wanna be venture capitalists in Canada, if we wanna be in a country with a thriving tech ecosystem, we need to create that ecosystem. Just writing, writing checks is not enough. And so really the history of Real Ventures, our heritage and what we so much believe in today is, give, is starting with the community and giving back. And That's so awesome. back in 2007, we started hosting events with mentors. We um, launched something called Founder Fuel, which is mm -hmm. the longest running accelerator in Canada. I can tell you more about all the great companies that have come out sure. of Founder Fuel, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. um, we created, we uh, converted, uh, an old rundown mansion in, in uh, Montreal called Nauman House into a startup hub Amazing. where people could host events, companies could rent space by the month, um, and really just, you know, as I said, got busy and started building the ecosystem. And so, you know, super proud that here we are, you know, 14 years later, mm -hmm. and we are seeing Canada, it's now ranked as the fourth best tech ecosystem in the world mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we are seeing global investors coming to Canada and competing to get into our tech companies. That's awesome. And you know, your thesis, the, the idea that you don't have to go to the Valley is proven. I mean, you look at the companies around 2008, 2009, 2010, and I would say that was the end of that must go to the Valley time. And now, you know, not only do we have 
grown at home where, you know, Toronto's an amazing ecosystem, Montreal, Vancouver. I mean, even Alberta, you've got some amazing ecosystems of your own, but now you've got some exits that are supporting that ecosystem too. So we are creating our own Silicon Valley at home. So, you know, where you had that thesis, I think that must've been the start of where we are now. And so I, I salute and applaud, uh, you know, that direction that you're looking and, uh, you know, the outcomes of a more Canadian experience from it. Well, well you know, you mentioned that there are a couple of companies that you wanted to share from, uh, from that. Well, please, let's hear about them. Okay, let's hear about it. So I'll just talk, I mean, I feel so... Um, fortunate to be able to work with so many amazing entrepreneurs. Mm. You know, everybody at Real Ventures, you know, we say we're all unanimous in our belief that we, that the best part of our work is working with entrepreneurs and seeing them succeed. But, you know, I'll talk about Founder Fuel, which as I said, it's our accelerator, traditional three-month accelerator. Mm -hmm. Some of the companies that have come out of there include Sonder, mm -hmm. which you may have heard of, mm -hmm. uh, started in 2014, the two co-founders were literally students at the University of Montreal, had an idea, went through our accelerator that enabled them to really develop the business. They have since grown it. It's a phenomenal success story, getting Amazing. the public on the New York mm -hmm. Stock Exchange. Wow. Um, other companies that have come out of uh, Founder Fuel, one is a company called Majuri, which you may be familiar with. It's a vertically integrated jewelry company, mm. uh, selling jewelry around the world in retail as well as online. Mm -hmm. Other companies include Benchside, which is a Toronto-based mm -hmm. company using AI to help with the drug discovery. Mm. Uh, Paper is another company recently yeah. based at a 600 million valuation in the ed tech space, a Montreal-based mm -hmm. company. Again, I could go on because I get so excited <laughs> about these companies. Um, but the reality is all of these companies came in at very early stage, almost the idea, just past the ideation stage. And we had the opportunity to work with them and um, help them and then continue to help them after the program. Well, that's, that's really interesting. So, I mean, my, one of my next questions would be what sort of companies do you invest in? But it sounds like maybe what stage as well are you looking to invest in? Because it sounds like the earliest is best. Yeah, so we invest in primarily Canadian-based companies. Mm -hmm. And just to be specific, about 80% of our dollars are invested in Canadian headquartered companies. Mm -hmm. And just to be clear, when I say Canadian, I mean the, their office is in Canada. Mm -hmm. It does, like their headquarters are in Canada when we first invest. It doesn't mean that they're only focused in the Canadian market. Sure. Right, and not most, the vast, vast majority are selling globally. Um, mm -hmm. But so Canadian focus, as you say, we do enter at the early stage primarily seed stage, but we will go earlier, mm -hmm. um, like through our founder fuel program and other pre-seed select investments. And, but then in terms of sector, we are sector agnostic. Okay. So you can think of it as, as a geographically specific, stage specific, mm -hmm. um, but sector and industry agnostic. Well, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. Well, one thing I was—I mean, beforehand, I was doing my research and I was looking in, you know, a lot about yourself and about Real Ventures and all the other, all the other uh, great organizations that you touch. And I was looking at on, on your LinkedIn, for example, and I was seeing that you sit on a lot of the boards of the companies. So my question is, as as an investor, how important is it to have a, a board seat? Um, and also, how active are you as a board member? Yeah, so typically we will lead a seed stage round, and then we take a seat on the board. And then, so our focus as an investor is to lead seed stage rounds mm -hmm. and then work with those companies to help them go from seed to series A. At the series A stage, those rounds are led by another investor. So we work with that company to help them raise the best 
the best round at the best valuation. And we will typically do our pro rata or whatever is necessary to maintain our ownership in that round. And then often okay. invest in the B. So a couple of things. First of all, we are typically on the board at series at the seed stage, typically mm-hmm. stay on the board after the series A raise. At the ser- after they raise their series B, we will, depends, right? Sometimes we move to an observer seat. Sometimes we do stay on the board and sometimes we exit the board completely. Well, interesting. Uh, yeah. 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 I was just going to say that to get you a question, like how do we work with these companies? Mm-hmm. So really our sort of heavy lifting, our focus is on getting them from C to series A, right? Mm-hmm. So what are all the things they need to do in terms of, you know, nailing their product market fit, figuring out their unit economics, getting the right team together and then hiring the right, uh, sorry, and then find, and then raising the money. So that really is where we do our heavy lifting. And then after that, uh, again, it's very much depending upon the situation, how much we're involved. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. You get, you, you get in, you, you hopefully keep the same percentage by, you know, following up with the investment, because obviously you don't want to be, uh, you want to continue with, with where you see as a winner. Um, yes. And then when you have the people doing the series A, when you have other third parties join that, well, they're basically kind of giving that thumb of approval that, yeah, this is, you know, something that we see as a business. That's kind of the way you look at it as well, then instead of doing the next stage, you don't lead, you, you, you follow in that perspective. Is that, is that- exactly. And we, we do that for a couple of reasons. So first of all, we have over 250 investors that mm-hmm. we have co-invested with. So we okay. have very strong relationships and the types of firms that will lead our series A or series Bs into our companies include uh, firms such as NEA, mm-hmm. Bessemer, Andreessen, Sequoia, mm-hmm. Canaan, uh, Kosla, Fidelity, Greylock, like all of those companies have in Otiger and SoftBank, mm-hmm. um, not surprisingly, have invested in follow-on rounds. But our approach with this is from the very beginning, we say we want to be on the same side of the table as the founder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what that means is at the Series A, we want to be on the same side of the table as the entrepreneur saying, hey, we want to help you mm-hmm. find the best partner in the best terms for, for this company and raise the best Series A. We don't want to be competing and sort of like, hey, no, we want to invest. Well, yeah. therefore, we're not going to, you know, we want to lead the Series A. Therefore, we're not going to invest. We're not going to introduce you to other people. Like, we don't want that conflict. We yeah. want to be on the same side of the table as the founder. Well, that's, I mean, that makes so much sense because then you're trying to make everyone win and then, you know, you can, you can piggyback on, on, on that. I mean, there's some VC thing, like I, I have a really good friend that um, he was a roommate of mine for UBC when he was doing his MBA and he's working for a certain, um, he was one of the head investors for a certain German car company with three letters and I won't go into too much more detail than that. But he told me, you never want to take investment from me because we're just happy to isolate technology from the other car companies and we won't follow on where people think, hey, you know, we are winning because of that. So you really have to know who you're getting into bed with, especially in the investment and what's their game. So, you know, the way that you're describing it makes me go, wow, you know what? You're just there for the victory. And that's, that's, you know, go talk to real ventures people because that makes a lot of sense. You want people like that in your back. And not your back pocket, but in your corner trying to trying to gain the win because everyone wins, if, you know, if you're aligned that way. Yeah, um, and I think, you know, as I said, in terms of our area of specialty, because this is what we've done, like, interestingly enough, of all the companies that we invest in, 64% go on to raise the successful Series A. That's a huge number. Now, for perspective, on a North American basis, that number is 45%. Yeah. So we're significantly better than the, the average, which, you know, it's probably, I would guess, a combination of, hey, you know, 
great founders in Canada that we get mm -hmm. to work with, right? Awesome. That's like sort of, you know, our selection. And I think also hopefully it's also how we work with these companies. And, you know, we have helped over 90, com 90 companies raise a strong series A. That's, that's amazing. Now, now when you're, I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, some of the, 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 the big players in the Valley in New York. Um, I, mean, I think Bessemer, they're in New York, not the Valley, but I might be wrong about that one. Um, basically, you create the relationship with it. But here's my thought, or my question is, how excited are they about Canada? Because I meet some of these people in the Valley. Like I met Vinod Kosla, and I can tell you a story about he had the nicest sweater I've ever seen. I wanted to hug him because of it. Um, but I met these people and they are excited about what's happening in Canada. I mean, how hard is it to have that conversation about, you know, hey, I have this company you need to talk about. Do, do people, are they ready to listen? Oh, they are ready. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think, you know, again, like just going back to what you said in terms of that transition, right? Mm -hmm. Sort of from in 2010. So mm -hmm. I would say probably in 2010, 2011, the mentality in the Valley was, okay, if you're a Canadian company, you got to move to the Valley before we even consider investing in you. Mm -hmm. Now the Valley investors are like, no, you stay in Canada because we know that's the best ecosystem to grow a company. Mm -hmm. And not only are they coming to Canada, like I literally am being contacted every single week Amazing. by U.S. investors mm -hmm. who say, we want to come up. We want to get to know your companies. We hear great things about Canada. Mm -hmm. um, and we want to get to know you so that we can invest in your companies. And so, you know, there is, and, you know, just uh, what was it, a month ago, I was down in Silicon Valley with a bunch of investors from all over the world. And so many mm -hmm. of them, and not just from the Valley, but from Europe, from Asia, were saying to me, oh my gosh, Janet, everybody's talking about Canada. I'm here in mm -hmm. Canada. Um, and right there, so right as a Canadian, I'm just saying, yeah, like it makes me incredibly crowd but the u.s and other international investors are recognizing the quality of the companies that are being created here and they are competing mm -hmm. to get into them uh, and also the major advantages we have they're starting to understand that you know the tax advantage is nice the immigration policy is very very nice i mean there is a lot of advantages plus the dollar um, you know, you can get a lot more bang for the buck and, and the expectations as well in terms of what the raise is. Um, um, and I've had some great, uh, great um, guests on the podcast and, um, um, you know, they're, they're talking about how actually some of them go to the States to get, to get the, the, the valuation and then they come back here and they leave like a third of it for Canadian investors to keep it at home, uh, which I thought, well, that's an interesting strategy too, you know, um, but uh, well, well, you know what? Well, here you've got a you know great list of companies you've invested in. Is there any stories of regret, like one or two that you didn't take and that you're like kind of you know banging your head now? You know, like there are definitely companies that we passed on mm -hmm. um, that have gone on to do very well. Like one comes to mind, Neo Financial, um, mm -hmm. that was the CEO didn't didn't invest. Although I will say, when that happens. I think about a couple of things. First of all, I think, okay, Jan, what can you learn from this? Like there's some learning here. So let's sure. learn so that we get better in the future. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is um, I am cheering for every founder, every Love Canadian it. founder. Like, and, and I mean that very sincerely. And the reason mm -hmm. is twofold. First of all, I have so much respect for every single founder out there. Mm -hmm. They are choosing the hard road. They are choosing to go down a path where they're going to work much longer hours, have more stress, and get paid less mm -hmm, than if mm -hmm. they went and worked for somebody else. But they're doing it because they want to make a difference, because they want to create something. And I just think, well, that's awesome. And I wish anybody who goes down that path all the success in the world. Completely. But I also think within Canada, like 
it's not a finite game. Our companies are in a global market. We're mm -hmm. not competing against each other. We are competing against global competitors. And in an ecosystem, success begets success, mm -hmm. right? It's why the Valley was so successful for so many years. And it's, you know, for instance, just look at Shopify, right? And what mm -hmm. Shopify has done for this ecosystem. And it's the same thing, the more successful companies we have, that's awesome. It means it's gonna be that those successful companies are training the next generation of founders and executives. Their success is attracting more capital into the country. It's it's igniting the imaginations of the next generation. And so um, so I think that's great. And I also think, I think the other thing that I think about is like, you know what, if Wheel Ventures is in every single awesome company in Canada, it means the ecosystem is pretty darn small. So, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it's like, hey, that's, you know, we can't expect, we can't hold ourselves to the standard that we're going to be in every awesome company. Mm -hmm. um, because that would just mean that it's too small an ecosystem. So I find that that mentality of like, hey, great, let's celebrate other founder successes. And if I can help a founder outside that's outside our portfolio, I will absolutely do it because like, why wouldn't I? I love that. I love that. I mean, it's a similar thing. I mean, everyone, you know, the, when, the, when the water raises, the boats go up, right? Because uh, I used to be, well, with free damn COVID or whatever, there's a group that I uh, was president of or still president, uh, just not very active, of Vidya, which is the Vancouver iOS Developers Industry Association. It's a couple thousand members here local in Vancouver, and I'll call it engineers, designers, and enthusiasts, like, you know, a little bit of I iOS nuts, we'll say there, who just love, love the thing. But at the end of the day, we were all frenemies. Like, yeah, we were competing companies, but we were there to just improve each other. And I always said we were looking after the green money at the end of the day, right? We were trying to be so good because if you guys get so good, or if we as a country get so good, people flock to us from the world and then we're bringing in the money from, you know, the bigger money from everywhere else. So I, 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 I love and applaud that. And, and I think this, you know, a lot of the C100 probably has a lot of that idea too of, you know, let's, let's, uh, you know, be uh, cheering for the, 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 the churn are strong and free uh, for the sea to shine, sea to shining sea, uh, something like that. Um, yeah. Well, t t tell you what, I mean, this, this one's super interesting to me because it's, it's not your typical founder story. Um, you know, can you tell me about the creation of Kijiji.ca? I mean, everyone knows Kijiji. Yeah, so, you know, I had worked for eBay in the Valley um, mm -hmm. back, I guess I started there in the early 2000, and mm -hmm. it was a great experience at eBay in the Valley. I um, led what at that point was called the non-collectibles categories. Okay. Um, so clothing, home and garden, jewelry, books, et cetera. And, and when mm -hmm. I joined, the, those categories represented a tiny part of the business because mm -hmm. almost all of eBay in the early days were collectibles, coins, stamps, mm -hmm. things like that. So I had grown that business, um, you know, was, that was an awesome experience. And then I wanted to move back to Canada. My husband is from Canada. We wanted to have our family here. So I told eBay I wanted to move back to Canada. They said, yeah, no problem. We'll support you if that's what you want to do. But the only position that was available in Canada was head of product. Mm -hmm. So responsible for the eBay.ca website, which I sort of thought, oh don't really want to do that but okay if that's what's available whatever i'll move back home and when i get back home i'll figure out like what what's what so mm -hmm. i moved back with ebay and then the first thing i did when i got to canada was i said okay i got a benchmark like how's canada doing relative to every other country in the world mm -hmm. and what i found was that canada was doing a great job of getting visitors to the site so in terms of the percentage of online visited, online users who were going to the site, Canada was one of the highest countries in the world. 
However, our ability to convert those people from visitors to actually do something was half that of every other country around the world. Wow. Country of window shoppers. Interesting. Okay. Ah, interesting. Exactly. <laughs> and so I said, okay, let's like dig into this and try to do some things on the site to address this, but also did some industry research. And what I found was, hey, Canadians spend a ton of time online. They research online, but they're very reluctant to transact online. Hmm. And I thought, okay, I'm not sure whether I'm going to be able to significantly change that dynamic in the short term. So maybe there is a model that would work better in that environment. And I actually looked at five or six, had five or six different ideas. And in the end came up with the idea about online classifieds. I mean, that was one of the ideas, right? It's like, okay, hey, with classifieds, you're shopping online, you're transacting in person. Also classifieds work well when you're in cities, right? Because you've got to be in cities. And mm -hmm. Canada, despite the fact that it's a huge country and small population, we're actually one of the most urbanized countries in the world mm -hmm. in terms of the percentage of the population that lives in an urban center. Mm -hmm. So that is, this is an idea. <laughs> and so I went to some of the executives that I knew in, in, at eBay in California. I was like, like, here's what we should be doing in camp. This is why this model works. Mm -hmm. And they were like, yeah, no, Jan. <laughs> no, you know, Canada's not really a priority. Craigslist is already there. We're not sure that's going to work. But I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I really believe in this. And so I continued to you know, sort of pursue the idea. I found out that eBay was launching a classified site in Europe. So mm -hmm. I went back to the executives and I said, hey, you know what? Like eBay's launching a classified site in Europe. Can I take that and launch it in Canada? You know, mm -hmm. I'll localize it for Canada using the same backbone and, and launch it. And mm -hmm. they were like, yeah, I don't think it's going to work, but Janet, if that's what you really want to do, that's fine. And so hence launch Kijiji. Um, and it was a great success. And so, um, yeah, so it makes me happy when that people enjoy using it. That's, that's, that's awesome. Well, I mean, I know from my homework, but tell me about the name. Where, where did the name come from? So the name came from, it means village in Swahili. Mm -hmm. So just as a little aside, like, you know, sometimes your memories, like they're burned in these, your memories is these certain memories are just burned in your brain. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget. So eBay, they said, okay, we're going to hire this high price San Francisco uh, agency that's going to come up with a name. We're going to put the same name on these sites in Europe and in Canada. You're going to get this name too. So I'm like, okay. And then one day they called me there, there is this guy's, he's like, Janet, we got the name. I'm like, okay, awesome. He's like, it's Kijiji. I'm like, what? And he goes, I said, how's that spell? And he said, and I, I remember my piece of paper, K-I-J-I-J-I-J-I. -I 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 -I. Mm -hmm. And I wrote it down and I looked at it and I couldn't even like make it out with all these I's and these J's. <laughs> I'm like, what? Are you serious? He's like, yeah, Janet, it means village in Swahili. I'm like, I don't care what it means. You can't pronounce it. You can't spell it. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, he's like, well, you know, it doesn't mean anything bad in any language. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we can get the URL around the world. <laughs> so you can get like, the domain. Oh <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, you, I mean, you could type it with one hand pretty much. So Yeah, that's true. Well, the first thing we did was I was like, okay, we got to buy all the misspellings mm -hmm. of this word and yeah, direct yeah. them all to the site because nobody's <laughs> going to be able to spell it. Mm -hmm. And we got to do all our advertising online because, like, there's no point doing like anything else because nobody's going to remember the name and be able to spell them when they get back mm -hmm. to their computer. So, anyway, <laughs> somehow or other, we made it through. 
Well, that's fantastic and a great story. And congratulations for seeing the vision, you know, of, of even the, the, the overlords of, of, of eBay, not, not buying it, but, you know, you kept your vision and you proved yourself and, uh, you know, and, and you what you proved them right for, uh, for, for keeping you in eBay and, and being happy to move you up. Well, I mean, I guess there's another is scroll. He's from, he's from Jeffrey. He's from Toronto, isn't he originally? Is he one of the LPs in, uh, in, in your organization? No, I should hit him up. That's a good idea. <laughs> Come on, you know, I mean, he's done so much, you know, he was one of the early, obviously early innovators of the, the internet in terms of what he's created, but also a really early innovator of, of using his capital to make the world a better place. So uh, that's right. Um, he yeah. creates a lot of documentaries. <laughs> you know what if you're using your money for the right things and making everyone that much better i i i salute that so we'll tell you what i mean honestly i am so excited about being a member of the c100 i've done i've done um a bunch of 24 hours in the valley where i just i mean not as, a, as an observer i actually just went down uh, two of them and i've done a couple of events because i used to you know pre-covid i was down the valley a lot um but tell me about how your relationship started with the c100 yeah, so I just sort of, as soon as I got into the venture world, I guess I got, um, I looked around and said, okay, I'm now in venture capital, who should I know? And what organizations should I, should I get involved with um, to try to meet people? And the, one of the first ones was C100. And so I just, I think what I did, Laura was, this, was I think she was the head, she had just joined, I think, as the head of C100 at the time. <laughs> and um, she's still the head of C100. And I think I just contacted her and I was like, hey, here's who I am. Um, I've heard about the great stuff you're doing. You know, let me know if I can help. And I think we, I met with her when she was in Toronto and got to know the organization and, you know, started helping out with different things that they were doing. And then a few, few years later, they asked me to join the board. So then I joined the board and I was on the board for a couple of years. And then they asked me to consider being co-chair. And then so in July... July 1st, actually, I was made co-chair for a two-year time period. That's fantastic. Well, what's your role as co-chair? What, 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 what's sort of the mandate um, at, in that role? Yeah, so basically, the, there's two co-chairs, myself and another awesome Canadian named Andre Chiru. And um, as co-chairs, you know, there's, so there's the, there's the co-chairs. And I think we're basically, we are there to support the organization and support the board in helping mm -hmm. C100 create or um establish its strategic vision and then execute and realize that vision. Fantastic. And I guess I really love the vision of where it's going in the sense of, you know, before it was Valley, 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 but recognizing that, you know, the valleys is, is an epicenter of, of technology, but so is New York, so is London, so are these places. So, I mean, was that part of your vision was to try to um, expand into other global centers? Yeah, so I mean, certainly I wouldn't take all the, the credit for it, but basically, yeah, the idea, for those of you who are not familiar with C100, C100 was started about 10 years ago by a group of Canadians in the Valley who had had success, and they said, you know what, the Valley is such a great spot. Um, it has enabled us to, you know, whether it was build businesses or they were venture capitalists or whatever, but the Valley has enabled us to um, realize our ambitions. And we should think about how we can help Canadian entrepreneurs and what can we do for them. And then that was really the impetus. And so they said, hey, you know, started, you know, the flagship uh, product or flagship program was 48 Hours in the Valley, where every year a select group of uh, young, young Canadian tech entrepreneurs would go to the Valley for 48 hours and get mentorship. And so you know, that really was the whole concept in terms of, hey, let's enable these Canadian founders 
to benefit from the networks and the experience and the financial help available and the financing venture capital available in the Valley. Mm-hmm. Well, now I would mm-hmm. say that that mission is a little bit outdated um, because, as you say, like Silicon Valley is great, but it's not mm-hmm. the center of the universe. And by the way, just as a little mm-hmm. aside, um, in 2010. Silicon Valley accounted for 80% of all venture capital dollars. So, so let me just be more specific. 80% mm-hmm. of venture capital dollars were invested into Valley-based companies. Mm-hmm. Today, that number is 48%, right? So and, all and, and, and shrinking, and shrinking. And shrinking, continuing mm-hmm. to shrink, right? Yeah. So in other words, the rest of the world is growing. And um, so I think that that is no longer the case. There's awesome Canadian entrepreneurs in Canada. They can get help from all over the world. There's also amazing Canadian tech leaders all over the world. That, and mm-hmm. so really the vision has evolved to be more a preeminent network of senior Canadian tech leader, leaders. Mm-hmm. And the vision is, wouldn't it be great if there was a chapter you know, in San Francisco and New York and London and Singapore mm-hmm. and Paris mm-hmm. and Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver. And then you have a network where, hey, if I'm an entrepreneur in Toronto and I want to expand into London or into UK, right, then I can tap into those Canadians. Almost like, I think the best analogy is almost like an alumni association, like the Harvard, Harvard yeah. Alumni Association, right? And you can match it mm-hmm. with people all over the world to get help. Or you're new to a city and you, you can tap into that network and immediately have a group of people who can be your friends and can help you get settled. And so mm-hmm. that really is the vision that we are working on. And so in the fall, we launched the New York chapter mm-hmm. and we have plans in place to launch uh, the LA chapter and then the mm-hmm. London chapter. And um, I would say the, this, the new vision, this whole vision has resonated extremely well with people around the world. Well, and it's, and it's awesome. And I mean, and these are a lot of hoity-toity types. I'll just, just say what it is, hoity-toity Canadians that really do want to make a difference. Like the thing that I love about it is I reach out to, you know, them and we have our secret handshake Slack channel or whatever, but I reach out to people, just say, hi, you know, you know especially when they join, you know, and to say, hey, if you have any questions, you know, hit me up or anything like that. But everyone's just so happy to, hey, that's great. I, how can I help you? Like, it really is a power of positivity. Uh, you know, with a little with a little bit of maple syrup added to it, and uh, um, I, I think it's I, I, honestly I just love it, and I, I really salute you again and um, and Andre for uh, for taking it that that new direction because um, especially if we can I mean one thing one great strength we also have um, is of course the global affairs team that are trying to do what they can, and if you could piggyback on some of the infrastructure and relationships that have already been created, plus you know plus that I mean I don't want to give any secret sauce away, but there's so much positivity that can come out of that so uh, yes. yay i can't wait yay. i'm hoping for february i'm hoping for february when we have a big event and um i'm really hoping it happens because i'm looking so forward to it so so amazing yes, that's right. that's, just so you all our listeners in february is the c100 uh, growth summit in napa mm-hmm. it's going to be great. our first in-person event in two years at the c100 and um definitely hoping that it still happens yeah, I, I booked it within five minutes of finding out. So, uh, but I'm I'm a sucker. I was apparently for the uh, for the web summit. Apparently, I was the first person of the forty two thousand of the world that booked a ticket. I was the first one. So I don't know if I'm brave or stupid or both. But I had a great web summit. So what what does it matter at that point? Yes. Um, <laughs> well, one thing that really amazed me again when we we're doing 
research, that's what you want to call it. We're not really a news organization, but we want to make sure that the story, um, you know, that we, that we, um, you're a respected guest. I want to make sure that I get some of these things right. Um, but here's, here's a question, or not a question, here's a salute again. You were the Canadian National Triathlon Champion twice, twice. So does the training for such a challenging sport have parallels with investing or running companies? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I am a huge believer in that sport is a great training ground for life, competitive sports. I mean, mm -hmm. that being said, like I'm a little biased because I do competitive sports and I've seen the impact, but mm -hmm. I'm not like other people do other things. Maybe it's music, right? So I think there's, there's always all sorts of paths, mm -hmm. but for me personally, sports has been transformative. Awesome. And I think in a couple of ways, um, probably most importantly is just that muscle memory, I'll call it, or of persistence, determination, mm -hmm. and will. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just like, I think if you're, if you're doing competitive sports, you fall down so many times, right? You lose the races, you get injured, this happens, and you just have that sort of, as I said, it's muscle memory. It's just, you get up and you go, you get up and you go, and tomorrow's another day, and you go, and you go, and you go. Mm -hmm. And I feel that same way about, you know, all my career, but it, it also, you know, with what I'm doing today. Um, you know, there's great days. Well, I'd say every day is a great day because we're alive, so hey, great day. <laughs> yeah, there you, you go. know, there's wins and there's challenges, and you just, mm -hmm. you know, that persistence. And I think it's also sort of the, tied into that is the self-talk so like mm. you know I was a long distance runner there were a lot of long hard runs by myself <laughs> and I would just say oh, yeah, like, you can do it you can do it you can do it right and so and I find that same self-talk it's like it's okay you can do it you can do That's it awesome. keep, going. keep going so I think that is probably the most important thing but also like the time management right just from growing up training racing doing this you like and then you become very efficient with your time. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's exciting, and what a great sport! I mean that 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 to me is the like it is the epitome of being a VC, you know. Because at the end of the day, you are challenging yourself just as much as you're challenging the other companies. But you can't become national champion, I assume, without some teamwork involved too. Even though this is a very non-team sport, you need people pushing you. So, well, would you say there was a part of that too? Absolutely. Like, I think one of the key things that I learned in training and our coaches used to say the best, the only, well, not the only way, the best way to get mm -hmm. faster is to train with people who are faster than you. Completely. Right. And, and so I often think about that. It's like, I want to work with people who are way smarter than me. I want to associate with people who push me to be, who are, you know, who push me to be the, a better version of myself. Awesome. Mm -hmm. um, I want to work with people who I admire, who are like one step ahead of me, because that's the only way that I'm going to get better. Um, and so I think uh, that's certainly in that teamwork too. And it's also, you know, this concept of, and we, it's something that we really embrace at Real Ventures is like, hey, everybody has a strength, has things that they're particularly good at. Mm -hmm. And let's think of ourselves as a team. And rather than, you know, and I think rather than everybody trying to do everything, let's make sure that people are working in their own, what we call zone of genius, right? Mm -hmm. Are you working in your own zone of genius? And let's bring that zone of genius to, to the table. 
Zone of genius. I love that. That that is that is awesome. Well, talking about a whole bunch of geniuses, uh, you know, we're going to talk about Waterloo here. Um, tell me about the role of Communitech, and can you tell me tell tell our listeners uh, about Communitech as well, please? Absolutely. So, um, for people who don't know, Communitech is based in Waterloo. Um, I've been on the board of Communitech for about three years, and Communitech is the largest innovation organization in Canada. It has over 1,600 mem members, and the, those member companies employ over a million people. So wow. it is in Waterloo, as I said, it has all sorts of programs, both to help startups, scale-ups, and sort of all the way up, and everything from training programs to uh, office space, to recruiting help, to helping the companies get matched up with venture capital firms, et cetera. And so as the board, you know, we're myself and all the other board members really are mm -hmm. responsible for the strategic oversight of the organization. Mm -hmm. I also love to support the founders. Again, that's like, there's my real mm -hmm. passion. And so yeah. I have been involved in various programs there. Fierce Founders is a program specifically for women founders that they have run where I've been a mentor yeah. for many years, mm -hmm. um, as well as other founders that I, you know, some often they'll call me and say, hey, Gianna, can you speak with this founder? Um, and so I always love that as well. Oh, that's good. I mean, Waterloo is a little gem in Ontario that uh, I'm going to have to say one thing. I've never been, and I don't know why. I, I, I go to Toronto, I mean, I, I'm gonna make a mission of it because we have, I mean, traditionally, just from our relationship, most of our co-op students are from UBC, you know, some from UBIC or SFU, but mostly UBC just because I spent way too many years there. But we have some co-ops from Waterloo over the last, you know, and, and grads as well from Waterloo, but co-ops from Waterloo, they're incredible. Like, they're just incredible. You're like, oh, you're, you're running already. You know, we don't have to do it. So I promise in the new year, I will be making a trip to Waterloo because we want to engage personally more with that university. I want to learn more about it. I mean, I love the history. It's old Berlin, right? Like uh, yes. the, the, the name of the town. Um, you know, so Chris, next time yep. you fly into Toronto, I'm picking you up at the Toronto airport and we are going down to Waterloo. You cannot. I'm done. Done. You can I'm all make so another trip to Ontario that. without going to Waterloo. I love that. I love that because I'm honestly, I really want to do that because we want to. I mean, we, we, we actually have like 12 employees in Ontario now. We realized, and you know, thank you, COVID, it wasn't really a thing that we planned on getting an office first and then bringing people in. But you know, we kind of have the fifth, uh, you know, the fifth column where we have the people in there first and then we get to get the office. So I do need to spend more time in Ontario because it's somewhere I love um, and, and definitely Waterloo. I will, I will. I love that. I would just love that. Well, Janet, okay. The spirit and the theme and why we do this little blah, blah show is because we want to, you know, use your journey to help expedite that next generation of Canadian entrepreneurs or anyone from the world that just wants to be a Canadian entrepreneur because we're, we're happy to have the world join. Um, so I have my two typical questions and I'm going to go through them and I, I, I'm so excited about your response. So first off, can you share one piece of advice? It doesn't have to be one, but one piece of advice uh, that will help a younger Canadian founder move that much faster. Yeah, so the, the thing I would say, and it really is more of a mindset than a tactical thing, mm -hmm. and it's that success is not a straight line, right? And, and I often say this to my founders, there is no straight line to success. And <laughs> so, yeah, it's always mm. up and down. Oh, yeah. And don't get distracted by people around you who you think are doing better than you. And I think it's one of the big challenges. Like mm. we talked earlier in the show about hey, all the success in the Canadian tech ecosystem. Mm. That's awesome. 
But I think what often is missed is all the challenges. And it's Completely. great that our press like highlights, oh, this company made this amount of money and they did this and they made this milestone. But it's like, yeah, but you don't know how many times they got kicked in the face and fell mm -hmm. down and how many doors were slammed on them and everything like that. And so, um, well, I love the celebration of success. I have mm -hmm. talked to too many founders who read those and say, why is everybody having so much success around me? And for me, it seems so tough. And mm -hmm. the reality is it's really tough for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, really tough. Really everybody tough. is going to have these obstacles and you know, don't read all those positive things and think, oh, it's easy or it's only me who's struggling because it is tough. And mm -hmm. so keep going and work, reach out to other people who are trusted friends who can uh, or colleagues who can be there for you and support you. I love that because, I mean, the, the success is so romanticized, but at the end of the day, it's just a little blip on a graph. You know, it's 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 where you, it's the story. It's like uh, social media the story you want to have put forward but sometimes it's not the full story so um you know you have to just like you were saying as you're as you're running and swimming and biking it's the mental it's the mental too you have to tell yourself keep going keep going or better yeah. yet maybe ready to tell you hey maybe you should you should stop at some point too um, yes exactly you know. it's like you know what i just thought of something my running coach used to say to me because mm -hmm. i would be looking at these other girls who were like faster like, oh. I'm never going to be that fast. She's going to go to the Olympics. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. And my coach used to say, Janet, the only thing you can say about a young, fast runner is that they're a young, fast runner. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'll always remember that. And her point was she had seen so many athletes who everybody said they're going to be the next superstar. And they burn out. Or they get injured. And she's like, well, just take it day by day. Focus on your game. And don't get distracted about everybody who you think is doing so much better than you and will always do so much better than you. That's a, I can see why you're, you're a product person too then because you know, focus on the product, not the noise around you. So that's, yeah. that's fantastic. I love how sports and life are such a, it's so important that our, that, that, that our kids play sports and, and learn all the lessons around it because so much, so much um, community comes out of that and so much strength within ourselves come out of it so I, I love i love these stories well you know what here here's here's the the, the second big question the, the canadian rah rah um can you share a name of a canadian entrepreneurial star or founder that you personally look up to so there are so many so many as i mm -hmm. said earlier every founder is on their own journey and um doing it through pers persistence and mm -hmm. guts um but I actually have three. Oh, three? <laughs> three from our, and as I said, I could talk for hours on this, but mm -hmm. I'll just pick three. Okay. All of them from our from our portfolio, and okay. which I'll highlight different things. Mm -hmm. One is a guy named Francis. He is a co-founder of the company Saunder, I mentioned mm -hmm. earlier. Mm -hmm. He started his entrepreneurial journey right out of university through our founder fuel. He's now mm -hmm. he's running a company valued at 2.7 billion. That's going Amazing. to be going public. Amazing. And the thing about Francis that I noticed from day one when I met him in our accelerator is he so focused on personal growth. Hmm. And I used to go and chat with him. And because I had a marketplace experience and his business is, is, has marketplace elements, mm -hmm. he always wanted to learn and grow. And Janet, how did you do this? And how did you think about this? And even, you know, two years ago, I went and I met with him in his big office, big team mm -hmm. in San Francisco. And he was still like, you know what? Hey, I'm working on this and I'm working on that. And what do you think about this? 
it's this mentality of always trying to learn and always trying to get better and Love never it. taking a like never sort of saying hang on you know it just anyways that was a something perfection always, is a myth Perfection is a myth, you know, you always have to improve. I love it. Francis, yeah. keep doing it, man. Then <laughs> <laughs> the next guy I'm going to talk about um, is uh, Mike Subinas, who's the founder mm -hmm. of a company called Lead. Um, awesome company. I feel very lucky to get to work with him, serial successful entrepreneur. His company's doing very well. And I think what I would highlight about him is how many times he pivoted his business in order to find product market fit. He is a great example of success in a straight line and it doesn't come easy. And he just pivoted and iterated and iterated and worked and worked and worked and um, has had great success as a result. Fantastic. Fantastic. And then the, the third one that I would uh, highlight is Nora from Missouri. Mm -hmm. She is just a wonderful human being and a great, and a great business leader. And again, she, um, particularly in the early days when she started her business, e-commerce mm -hmm. was not a popular thing for investors to invest into. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, now everybody's investing and, and, you know, you hear about Allbirds and Morby Parker and this and the other brands, but back then it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And she just never gave up. She awesome. never gave up. And she had the door, her, you know, the door slammed in her face so many times and she never gave up. And she built that business through per persistence and determination and now the company is just doing phenomenal things three magical stars i love that thank you for sharing well janet thanks for you know for not only doing so many amazing things and having you know again applaud the the, the journey itself but thanks for sharing it with us today i i personally learned so much and i i, I just had so much fun chatting with you so uh you know, I look forward to continuing that. I, I, I am going to do the uh, the trip to uh, Waterloo. I promise you there. Um, but just thank you for 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 the vision of you know Canada is a place where people should be investing and working from. And uh, you know the thesis is right. We're we're, we're growing. And um, so, merci for that. And uh, I look forward to continuing the uh, the chat with you in the future. Well, Chris, thank you very much. And I just want to wish everybody all the best for a wonderful 2022. And um, Looking forward to what's ahead. Ho, ho, ho. Thank you so much. Ahoy, Afternoon Tea listeners. If you got this far, I assume you liked this episode, and that is awesome. Thank you. In such a case, please rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcast and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your feeds from. Afternoon Tea is a podcast with a goal to share the stories of Canada's successful tech entrepreneurs in order to prepare the next wave of founders. We do have some great guests lined up for future episodes, but we would love to hear your thoughts too. Please do let us know who you think should be on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at ttt.studio. That is P-O-D-C-A-S-T at T-T-T, that is three T's, dot studio. You will notice there is no dot com because we are that sophisticated. Furthermore, you can find us at social media at T-T-T underscore studios. I look forward to chatting with you soon.